You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. Transgenderism is often discussed in terms of personal identity, a person expressing themselves, becoming their true self, connecting their outer persona to an internal feeling. But what about those around them? What happens when a woman's heterosexual partner decides he is, in fact, a woman? How does this impact their relationship? In this episode, I speak with a woman who saw and experienced this firsthand. In a relationship with her husband for 14 years, Shannon Thrace's life went into turmoil when her husband decided he was, in fact, a trans woman. Shannon is a grad student, a writer, and an IT professional. She is currently writing a memoir tentatively titled 18 Months. I spoke with her over the phone from her home in the Midwest. Here's that interview. I wonder if first you can tell me about your early relationship with your husband. What was that like? What was he like? So my my early relationship with my um, my husband, I'm going to call him Jamie, was really very, very good. In fact, we were the kind of couple that people looked up to. More than once, I had younger people say, you guys are my model for a perfect relationship. You're my evidence that good relationships happen. So we were really very much in love. We were, we had the same vision of the good life. We were both pretty urbane and educated, but also really loved the country and really loved bluegrass and being outside and going camping. We had a great sex life. We had a great communication situation and and really I had no major complaints and we lived this way you know we were together for 15 years this is the way it was for us um, almost the entire time Hmm. and did he ever give you any inclination that he was struggling I mean with with anything but you know specifically what's often referred to as gender dysphoria or, you know, that he was maybe struggling with gender in general or any kind of gender identity issue? You know, he really gave me no indication at all. He is perhaps like not um, your alpha male, you know, he's not into sports, things like that. But um, he was really, he never gave any indication of that kind. I know that we, you know, we joked around I'm probably a little bit more ambitious in the work world than he is. And sometimes, you know, I would say, well, you know, I'll be glad when I make enough money that I can just keep you home so you can make me pies and be my wife. And he would sort of laugh and go, that would be great. I'm not, you know, a huge fan of working anyway. When can we do that? And that sort of thing. But there was really nothing like that at all. I mean, um, nothing more. I mean, I've had the same sorts of conversations with many other men and nothing out of the out of the ordinary in terms of that that type of thing had you ever talked about gender identity before with him no i mean i think that we both were you know we're we're liberal people i've been in the lgbt community for 20 years i've had relationships i've had same-sex relationships um we're we're allies um 
you know, we saw Hedwig and the Angry Inch. We, you know, sometimes uh, would read a blog or something and we would talk and, and we would say, yeah, that's cool. You know, oh, that's good. I mean, we, we were affirming of transgender people, but we didn't really know any. We didn't have any in-depth conversations about that or anything of that nature. Right. Had you personally really thought about transgenderism before? You know, what was your perspective on that? I think my perspective before was, you know, that I was fine with it, but that I didn't know much about it. I have used feminine pronouns whenever asked to for trans women. You know, I I actually used to read a blog by a trans woman that I thought was interesting and fun to read, but it was really something that I hadn't had much experience with. You know, in fact, I think an interesting thing is that up until I was 45, 46 years old, I was only aware of two transgender people in my entire life. I met them both in the same gay bar um, in, in my 20s. And uh, they were what you might, you know, call transsexuals. They had had surgery. They were males attracted to males. They were not sort of what we're seeing now. In the recent few years, suddenly I know dozens and dozens of transgender people, not just through my ex-husband, through coworkers, through family and stuff like that. So I think it's interesting, actually, that I had so little experience with that before. And that is as someone who went to gay bars all the time. So um, something has really changed, I think, in the environment that that um, is more common than it used to be, or at least people are certainly more out. How long were you with your husband before he expressed an interest in, I I believe, what he called then cross-dressing? Right. We were together for 13 years, Um, and this started with porn, so... It was just an ordinary evening. He said to me, hey, you know what? Let's look at porn together tonight. And actually, this was really out of character for him, at least as far as I knew. He was not a person who looked at porn much. So I said, okay, you know, I was game. I, um, we, we got together. We opened a laptop, you know. Um, and it became clear that he was going to direct our search, that he was going to say, you know, no, not that. Let's look at this. And he was directing our search toward tranny porn. And I'm using air quotes while I say that because that's not a word I use, but that is the word, you know, that's the name of the genre. Um, And so we looked at this tranny porn and, you know, he was very interested. He was very interested, in fact, in specifically the juxtaposition of masculinity with feminine clothing. So, you know, he didn't want to see people who had had surgery. He wanted to see people who had an erect penis who were wearing some lingerie. He wanted to see things like that. So he was um, showing an interest in that. After we started uh, looking at the porn for a while, I said, hey, I could give you a makeover. And I was kind of just joking, but I was just sort of wanting to see if, you know, what he would say. He was very interested in that. So I gave him a makeover, and then that led to sex, and he wanted to sort of role play and sort of be the female and have me be the male. So that was our uh, our very first really initiation into anything of the sort. And then probably 
I'm not sure if it was the next day or maybe just a couple days later. It was really a very short time later that he said, hey, I like cross-dressing. Um, he had slept in the clothing that I had put on him, you know, right after the, the porn night and stuff like that. He said, I want to do this. I want to do it in public. I want to do it frequently. And I was actually really supportive. Um, I don't have kids. We didn't really have any major reason to worry about it. And we did live in a small town at the time. So we sort of went to, to the nearest large town. Um, we went to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We went to the mall and, and we did these things. And, and I helped him find clothing and I helped him find things to wear. And he cross-dressed, I would say, uh, probably about eight months before things started to change with him. And I, I think one of the interesting things about this period of time is that he he dressed in a fairly androgynous manner. He did not dress head to toe with, you know, uh, heels and prosthetics and wigs and all that sort of stuff. He's never worn wigs. He actually said, I will never wear a quote unquote woman costume. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. I want to be me. I just want to express my feminine side. He said many, many times, I'm a man. I'm happy being a man. I cross-dress. I, I have a feminine side. There's nothing wrong with that. He even said, and I didn't fish for this or anything of that sort, because I was really not very aware of transgender politics at the time at all. He even said, I don't want to be a woman. I don't want to switch sides. I feel like that would be upholding the very gender binary that's punishing me for being nonconforming. And so for, for these eight months, he was very casual about this dressing. He was very happy. He um, just sort of wore clothing with flair. Sometimes he was even mistaken for just sort of like, you know, wearing like a rock star look. He very seldom wore a skirt, but occasionally did. So that's the sort of thing that he was doing during that period of time. You know, I'm, I'm having trouble figuring out if it's when he says he wants to express his feminine side, he connected that to clothing. Was this partly to do with his sexuality? Did he see it in that way? So he is a little bisexual. He had a tiny amount of experience with that. He did say um, at the time, you know, he said, people say that this is not sexual, but I disagree. I think this does have something to do with my sexuality. He really didn't indicate that he had dysphoria or anything during this period of time. He didn't say that he was transgender. We barely talked about that. It wasn't something that was on his mind. In fact, he sort of openly rejected it. But he did, I think he found dressing in women's clothing sexually appealing. I mean, that is how it started with, the, with that night with the porn. Uh, there was also a period of time in, in which he said, oh, I think I'm going to get a bra and I'm going to start wearing a bra. And I said, why? Can I ask you why you want to do that? Because he hadn't taken any hormones. He didn't have breasts and he didn't intend to stuff the bra interestingly he just wanted to wear it and to me that sort of suggested a sexual interest and he said well I'm not ready to think about that right now and he refused to discuss it so 
I certainly think that he had a sexual interest in the clothing, but he was sort of unwilling to talk about it. Um, I, I would say that at this time, even though things were still really pretty good for us, our communication was starting to break down a little because there were these things like this that he was sort of, he seemed to feel maybe a little ashamed about or unwilling to talk about, or maybe like he wasn't sure what sort of answer would be acceptable. And he was starting to, to sometimes kind of um, shut down these conversations. So I didn't have a real clear picture of what was on his mind because he wouldn't say, but those were the sorts of um, feelings I was getting about it. And you supported him at the time. Um, you I even did. Mm-hmm. you wrote a, a post on his blog defending his his new um, interest. I wonder, you right. know, what was that defense of? Was it? It was. He was still calling it cross dressing at that time. He was. Um, well, you know, I don't think that women's clothes belong to women. I think that they're just clothes. Um, I think that uh, you know sex stereotypes aren't to be desired, you know, they are, they exist and we sometimes, you know, do what we have to do to get by in the world. We sometimes dress the way we think we're supposed to dress, but I don't want to ever uh, reject someone doing what they want to, what they want to do. And I think that, you know, Jamie at the time, he was saying things like, Hey, I like floral patterns. I like colors. Men's clothes don't, offer this to me why should beautiful clothing be reserved for women and I thought that was perfectly reasonable you know I thought sure of course if you want to wear a floral pattern then why should anyone be upset about that so I think I I wrote a defense you know that said I'm not worried about this you know he's kept the communication open with me I don't think sex stereotypes are something we need to you know uh, impress upon the sexes and, you know, things like that. And um, I think it was just sort of uh, an exploration of, hey, I'm okay with this, and this is this is working all right for us. And when did he decide that he was, in fact, not just cross-dressing, but a woman? Right. So that happened literally overnight from my point of view. He was keeping a blog. He was saying these these things I've been talking about, that he's a gender non-conforming male, but he likes himself. He said, um, I like my penis. I'll never have surgery. Um, I don't want to put on a girl costume. I don't want to make women feel uncomfortable, um, things like that. And, and he had been writing this stuff on a blog nearly daily. And we were um, sitting in a restaurant and someone gave him a compliment and said that he looked like a particular male celebrity um and uh and then the person walked away and jamie started to cry and so i sort of you know i was surprised i was baffled you know because he had been saying these things and and i said what exactly is upsetting you and i sort of had to drag it out of him you know that he felt insulted that he felt like he looked like a woman he felt like He was passing, and he was very insulted and surprised to find out that he wasn't passing. And I think this information came as a surprise, just as much as a surprise to himself as it was to me, because he was sort of 
pulling it out, you know, like he didn't know it, like he didn't know that was going to upset him. Um, the interesting thing I think is that he had somehow started to believe that he passed, which was really strange because he wasn't taking any hormones, you know, he wasn't doing anything. He was barely wearing makeup, maybe a little eyeliner. He had long hair, but he had had long hair for decades. And so it was kind of interesting to think, what magic do you think has happened? You know, that that you looked basically the same a year ago as you do now, with the exception of, you know, a, a blouse that has a floral pattern on it, but somehow you think that you're passing now. And, and so there was something interesting going on in his mind with that. But he started to cry and he started to say that that he identified as transgender and he, he used that word before he said that he that he identified as a woman. In fact, um, he went through a period of time where he said, well, clearly I'm not literally a woman. I'm a man who wants to live as a woman. So from that moment, actually, for the next 10 months, Jamie really dropped out of life and he spiraled into depression and everything changed and it really changed that very day so he quit his job he stopped being interested in his hobbies he started crying every night and he kept me up till 3 or 4 a.m every night crying and just sort of ruminating about his appearance and and his self-esteem was a bucket with a hole in it. And I, I had to tell him that he was pretty and that he was okay and that no one was making fun of him and that people weren't talking about him. And his friends still liked him. And it was really an endless, unsatisfiable need for validation. Um, our communication started suffering. Um, he started losing friends. And that was, in some cases because he pushed them away. In other cases, it was because they became stressed out by the drama. And in no cases whatsoever did anyone reject him for being transgender. And I think that's another interesting thing about his story in particular is that 100% of his friends and family were accepting. They used his pronouns. They made mistakes here and there, but they tried. They accepted it. Some of them drifted away because one friend told me that she had gone to lunch with him and had tried to talk to him about something happening in her life that was upsetting her and that he just couldn't hear her. He couldn't sympathize with her. He was worried about himself. I had another friend say, we stopped talking to him because we didn't want to poke the bear. That was the words that she used because he was just very on edge and and very dramatic and, and was doing a lot of social media posts about how oppressed he was and how upset he was and how his life was falling apart. And nothing was really happening to him from the outside. It was all really a crisis from within. And at, at some point, did he decide that he actually was a woman or did he continue just to identify as transgender? He did. He, he, like a few months after that, um, 
he said that he was literally a woman and you know I I said well you know just a few days ago you said clearly I'm not literally a woman so so what's happening you know can we talk about this what's your definition of woman um and he just became very angry with me for even wanting to talk about it and I think that at this point social media was playing a role I know that he had certain opinions that he was happy with that he was living with and and he was sort of going on to these forums and these blog posts and talking online and sort of hearing that his opinions were not politically correct he was being told what he was supposed to say so he was being told that which opinions weren't politically correct um trans women do not like cross-dressers they think that cross-dressers are kinky, that they're sexual, um, that they are giving trans women a bad name, that they're perverts, that they have no business, for example, using women's restrooms while trans women do have the right. And, and so they ask people to stop identifying as cross-dressers in a way they, uh, they reject cross-dressing. They also say that trans women are literally women. So not just someone who identifies as a woman, but a woman full stop, a woman in every way, that um, the trans women are not socialized male, that they were never male, that when they were young, they were little girls, things like that. Those were the sorts of things that during the cross-dresser phase, Jamie would have never agreed with. But as he sort of got into this online social network. Um, He started to agree with these opinions and he started to bring them home and say them. And he, at that point, if I questioned them, if I didn't agree, if I didn't express enthusiasm about them, even we fought or he shut down or he refused to continue speaking about it. And so as soon as he began to identify as a woman, our communication really degraded to an extreme degree because he stopped wanting to talk about things. And he, for example, wouldn't even talk about whether or not he planned to go on hormones or things like that with me. And so I was sort of at that point drifting alone, having no idea what was going to happen to my life and not in a position where I could talk to him about it. And that was really strange for me considering how wonderful and close our relationship had been only the the year before. So did he ever really explain to you what he meant when he said that he was a woman? He didn't. And he wouldn't say, you know, and, and his opinion on that apparently morphed over time. My personal opinion, just from observing him, is that for him, woman means sexually submissive, because that is really the only thing that, you know, that's where this started. That was the only, the only thing going on that I could point to. Jamie is not a super feminine person. Before all of this, um, you know, I know I made the joke that he would say he wanted to be my wife or whatever, but at the same time, he was also um, very into video games, craft beer, um, Hunter S. Thompson, Tom Waits, 
Leonard Cohen, whiskey, that sort of, he sort of romanticized that rambling, you know, adventurous man sort of personality. So he hadn't been feminine before. And, and when I tried to talk to him, you know, about what did he mean at first, you know, I said, I don't know if I'm comfortable defining woman in terms of sex stereotypes. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. That's not why I'm a woman. I'm not a woman because of my interests. So I would say, okay, well, then what is it, you know? Um, and I, I know someone online said, oh, it's in your brain. You know, you have a brain anomaly. You have a female brain. I know that he at first rejected that. He said, no, that's not it. Um, in fact, he had a friend who was a fundamentalist Christian and a trans woman who had convinced himself that he had the the hormone wash because his mother had taken a medicine while she was pregnant with him. And in fact, he had no evidence of that, but he had just convinced himself of that. And Jamie was um, sort of appalled by that. And he sort of thought, well, you know, that's just self-hatred. He's just doing that because he's religious. You don't have to have a female brain or or an anomaly in your brain to be transgender and and yet at the same time I was never able to get that definition out of him and when he did try the most he could say was that it was an article of faith and that it came from deep within him and and he was not amenable to the fact that uh, we still didn't know what was an article of faith, what was coming from deep within him, right? What was that woman that he was so sure he was? Um, later, I think, long after we were no longer together, uh, he began saying that he has a brain anomaly. So I think, you know, that social media influence continues to evolve what he's willing to say about himself. And what happened to your relationship at this point? So our relationship really fell apart on every front. And um, obviously I've talked about how our communication was just ruined. Our hobbies and interests were ruined because he really, he really kind of dropped out of life, but he also found, you know, for example, we like to go camping. He couldn't go anymore because how was he going to dress as a woman while camping? How was he going to wear makeup? What if someone saw him? You know, so he he found something wrong with everything we used to do. He also, um, our sex life really deteriorated. And I, I think this was a very big thing. Um, so it deteriorated in several steps, but it really just completely fell apart. It started with, you know, Jamie got laser beard surgery and he started making changes, you know, to look more feminine. And these changes sort of affected my ability to be attracted to him. And he loves to talk about that as though it's my fault, but you know, there's nothing I can do about that, right? My sexual response is automatic. It's not something I can control. And I even really tried to mitigate it as much as possible by talking to him about it by saying, look, you know, I guess you have to do this. Um, I'd rather you didn't, but you're telling me you have to. Can you do me a favor and can you make up for it? Can you woo me more? Can you do the things that I need? 
you know, to get turned on? Can you, can you go above and beyond for me in the bedroom? And, you know, he would say, yes, I'll do that. But then he couldn't actually bring himself to do it because he, he had gender dysphoria now. And this was something that he, you know, decided somewhere along the way that he had, it wasn't something he said he had in cross-dressing days. And not only did he not do anything to help bring me back, you know, and to sort of improve our sex life, but he went in the opposite direction and he started making demands of me um, for sex that would make him feel like a woman. So, you know, he wanted role-playing, he wanted props, he wanted sex that was, quite frankly, a lot of trouble. And he wanted this for me at a time when I was already struggling, you know. And so our, our sex life grew further and further apart and at one point I even, you know, we, we were sort of watching TV and drinking a bottle of wine and I thought, Hey, you know what? Uh, let's just use this artificial aphrodisiac, you know? So I, I kind of drank a lot and, you know, we, we had sex and then he complained, you know, how come you'll only have sex with me when you're drunk? And I was like, you know, I really can't win here. This sex life is being assaulted on every front, right? I can't talk about it and get it fixed. I can't, you know, <laughs> I can't drink through it. Uh, you know, what does he want from me? I, I have no recourse here but to just lay down and take it even if I'm not into it. And that's something I wasn't willing to do. And I think that's really, that's a theme in what happened as our relationship started to fall apart was that I insisted on being a participant in my own life. And I, you know, many times it came up that, hey, you're plowing in this direction as fast as you can. This is not what I want for my future. Um, this is not what we talked about or we're not communicating or I'm not sexually satisfied or, you know, all of these sorts of things. And and he would just get angry and and say I wasn't being supportive and that I wasn't, you know, appreciating his transgender needs and, and whatever. But it was like, okay, you know, I can support you and I can do what you need to do, but you also need to do what I need. I, I'm not going to be, you know, a bystander in my own life. I actually had a friend of a friend say that he had turned me into his indentured validator. <laughs> and I thought that was a really good way to put it um, because that is what had happened. I really had no ability to pursue anything I wanted anymore. I had only really this endless duty to make him feel better and to make him feel like a woman, whatever that meant. Did you call Jamie she when he requested that? Yes, I did. I I called Jamie she while we were married. And in fact, I led the charge on trying to get other people to call Jamie she as well. I do not do that now, as I'm sure you've noticed. The reason why is because in order to speak my truth and to speak about what I experienced, I really need to speak about it the way I remember it. And while I think Jamie, you know, may wish to say he was always a woman and he remembers himself as a woman 15 years ago, that wasn't my experience. I had no insight into that. I met a man. I married a man. I, you know, had a heterosexual relationship, and that's how I experienced that. And 
I think if I were to try to backtrack and stop myself, you know, and, and replace words and things like that, that that would both slow me down from really being able to speak my truth. And I think it would also be very distracting for the listener and would not ring true. You know, if I said my wife and I got married in Indiana in 2007, well, same-sex marriage was not legal yet then. So, you know, you, you sort of end up in these conundrums from torturing the language. And I think it works a lot better if I speak about things the way I experience them. How did your relationship finally end? Well, I filed for divorce uh, simply because I could not see anything improving. I couldn't see our communication improving. I couldn't see our sex life improving. And I did, in fact, at that time say, look, here's what this has come to. Here's where I'm at. But I invite you to come to me with whatever, whatever you've got, whatever compromises you have, whatever ideas you have, because I didn't want to get a divorce. I didn't want to get a divorce from, from day one to the, the, the very last day. And I, in fact, tried to maintain a relationship with him during and after the divorce because it's not what I wanted. I loved him. I didn't understand why, you know, things needed to fall apart just because he wanted to wear women's clothing or be called she. Um, it didn't follow for me that those changes should destroy everything in his past, you know, should make him lose friends, should make him lose his ability to communicate. And so I, I asked him, I said, I invite you to to bring me your compromises, to tell me what we can do to fix this. And he said, there's, there's nothing we can do. Uh, there's no compromising. I'm a trans woman and that can't be compromised or something of that nature. And I, I even continued to try while we were getting divorced that he pretty much at one point, you know, it's interesting because while we were divorcing, he said, I want you to know I love you and I will always be your friend. I will always be your friend no matter what happens. And not a couple of months after that, he completely cut off all communication with me, told his family to stop speaking to me, and they didn't because they're great people and I love them, um, gave his friends an ultimatum that they needed to choose who they'd be friends with, blocked me on all social media, and went on a campaign of telling everyone that I abused him, that I was stalking him, um, that I called him names, that I never called him, uh, and completely turned on me and does not speak to me at all now. How has this impacted you personally? How did it impact your life? Well, I mean, it certainly has turned my life upside down, you know, because when I, you know, when I got married, I made a commitment and I meant that commitment and I thought I had my future set, you know, and I, I had his family, you know, was very much like my own family. I invested, you know, a lot of love and, you know, I, I had these nieces um, that I was used to seeing and things like that. Um, and I realized after we were separated and divorced that nearly everything I was planning was no longer relevant. You know, like my holidays were not going to be the same anymore because I wasn't going to spend them 
with his family. And, you know, some of the things I was thinking about doing to the house were things that we would have benefited from together as a family. And, you know, some of the plans we'd made in the future weren't going to happen anymore. So everything changed for me. But I think, you know, also just looking back on what happened there, it's very difficult for me to figure out what to do with that. What's your perspective now that you've had this experience of this ideology and how these ideas are being handled in public discourse? I'm an atheist, but I think that there's a biblical concept here that applies, and that is that you know a thing by its fruits. You know, and when I look back at this and I see, you know, uh, Jamie was happy for 14 years or so. He was happy while he was cross-dressing. He was well-adjusted. He was fun. We had a lovely sex life. And when I see that the moment that he said that he was transgender, and especially the moment that he started adopting the sorts of ideologies that he was seeing online, as soon as he did that, he started to lose friends. He started to lose family. He lost his primary intimate relationship. He became suicidal. He became depressed. He cried every night. He lost uh, his ability to think about other people and to talk about anything other than himself. And he acquired sexual dysfunction. You know, when I think about this, you know, I think this was not healthy, right? And I don't know, I don't know what would have been a better approach, but I think that, you know, we have the right and the duty to look back on this and say, who's being served by this sort of ideology that is making someone so unhappy? Is there something that we're not doing to serve this community? Are we swallowing lies? You know, like, for example, uh, Jamie is an activist right now, and he's, he's a lobbyist, and he marches. And one of the things he says publicly and frequently is, this is not sexual. And that's not true, right? So I don't know if he's lying. I don't know if he thinks that what he went through doesn't count or is different. But we're not getting the whole story. I belong to a group for the spouses of transgender people primarily women, because it turns out that the lives of both trans men and trans women are primarily women. I heard the same stories from them. So, you know, I would say that there's something here that's not going well and that we could do better in figuring out what that is and addressing it and not letting uh, this sort of mindless activism control what we think about this. Thanks so much for sharing your story with me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. You just heard an interview with Shannon Thrace, a grad student, writer, and IT professional. She is currently writing a memoir tentatively titled 18 Months on her marriage to and divorce from a transgender person. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. 
You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Show the world radical feminism is worth listening to. Feminist Current is a syndicated show produced and edited by myself, Megan Murphy, out of Vancouver, B.C. If your station would like to air Feminist Current, you can find episodes at audioport.org. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.